You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Today we begin a new series, an exciting series, I pray, uh, a wonderful life-changing series. We pray, and this is a series on none other than the Holy Spirit himself. The plan is to do this for uh, several weeks, but the plan as the nature of this series kind of unfolds itself is it would truly be one that is um, led by the Spirit of God. That is our sincere desire. Again, we have a plan of what we see to hap- have happened during this series, but we want to be as open as ever to how the Spirit of God would decide this would go according to the Word of God. And in an attempt to get your attention and interest right off the bat, I want to start with what I believe is a provocative quote um, on the Holy Spirit. So here it is. Thomas Arnold said this, He who does not know God the Holy Spirit uh, cannot know God at all. I want you to look at that. I want you to think about that. I want you to consider that truth because it is a truth. Um, he who does not know, she who does not know God the Holy Spirit cannot know God at all. So what that means then, that means that the next several weeks are very, very important to us as a people, um, as a church, because we desire to know God and therefore we must also know God the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that statement true that we must know God the Holy Spirit if we're going to know God at all? Well, here's why, because Um, The Bible tells us and teaches us there is one God in three persons. Uh, There is one God represented in three persons, Father, Son, um, Holy Spirit. Now here's what we understand. That theology is rock solid. There's no exceptions to that. So what you're not allowed to do is you're not allowed to say, yeah, one God and the two parts of the Trinity that I kind of feel comfortable with and the the one part I don't, I'm going to kind of neglect or leave off to the side. It doesn't work that way. You can't choose your favorite two and leave the third behind. For whatever reason that might be, uh, we if we're truly worshiping the one God, that one God is represented in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that is why then we are taking the time to unpack, to unfold, and to explain the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The understanding of the Holy Spirit, what I love about this, the understanding of the Holy Spirit in this room is all over the place right now. Uh, Some are very informed as to the person of the Holy Spirit. Some are not informed at all. And that necessarily is not a bad thing in terms of so many new believers in our church. So many people even seeking the things of Jesus Christ in this place even right now. But that's why a doctrinal series can be so powerful, so pertinent, and I pray so precious. Now as pastor of this church, one of the things I value deeply is that we would have clarity And that we would have the ability to be on the same page as we start a series like this to see maximum fruitfulness as we go forward together. We're not trying to leave people behind intentionally. So I want to do that right now. How do we get on the same page? How do we bring clarity to this moment? It's by doing this. Let's start off by asking the question, um, why a series on the Holy Spirit. Now this message today is one of introduction. It's going to be a little bit atypical than what we're used to. We're not going to be focusing on one specific passage alone. We're going to be taking this from a systematic, a theological approach from God's Word on who the Holy Spirit is today. But I want to start here by doing this, asking the question, why a series on the Holy Spirit? 
And as we answer that, I want us to stir us up by way of reminder, as the Apostle Peter says, that it may be helping us and getting us again together on the same page. So I got four reasons as to why we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this. I want you to see this on the screen here. Why a series on the Holy Spirit? Um, Because doctrine is beautiful. Because doctrine presented in God's Word is beautiful. So think of it this way. What a doctrinal series does is it, it lifts us from one particular passage and allows us to see the Bible as one book. It, it presents to us the teaching on something like the Holy Spirit uh, in a way that allows us to see what God's Word says from beginning to end. And so this is what we're going to seek to do again through this series on the Holy Spirit. This is where doctrine is so beautiful. Because what happens sometimes in our Bible study, we can be in one chapter, one paragraph, one sentence, one phrase even. I love that. That's so good. That's so helpful. But if all we're doing is trying to parse the verbs and look into specific phrases and we never look up, we might actually miss out on the forest through the trees. So what happens is, as a good Bible student, you want to know what the verse says, but you want to know how it fits into the Bible as a whole. It's called biblical theology, systematic theology. It's very important to maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in the details, but we see the big picture. Why? So we see God's plan of salvation, that the Bible is really one book, especially as it pertains, again, to the person of the Holy Spirit. So as a kid, my parents described, I think for me, uh, I think it was the magazine, I think it was Owl Magazine as a kid. I think I got Owl Magazine. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that. Some of you are still around. And one of the things, I think it was this magazine, but in the magazine, one of my favorite parts wasn't actually the, um, the reading in it, it was the pictures presented in the, in the magazine. That should be no shock to some of you who know me well. But as a kid there, some of these pictures, it was like this little um, um, clue where you saw a very up-close picture and you had to guess what it was. And I love that part. You're looking at it, what is it, what is it? And then you go to the back and see the answer key. Oh, I got it right. Oh, I got it wrong. And so we're going to do a little bit of that right now, okay? i got some examples here I want to show you of up-close pictures that we can look at. A little test for you to see. Here's the first one. Let's see the first picture on the screen there. Look how it looks like a burnt-out cigarette, but it's not, all right? This is actually a super up-close picture of an apple stem. Oh, oh, interesting, right? So it's fascinating, the details to see it there, but, you know, if that's all you saw, you would miss the big picture, right? Here's the next one. See if you know what this is. A little easier. A battery, someone said. Nice try. Ballpoint pen. All right? It's a red ballpoint pen. You see the ink there dripping and kind of beautiful. Look at that close again. Helpful to see the details, but you might be missing the greater picture. Here's the last one I wanted to show you. You guys are loving this, aren't you? Hey, you love this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Me too, me too. Guess what this is? Some of you will get it. Some say a grain of salt. It's actually a white grain of sugar, okay? A single white grain. Now, beautiful and interesting, but if this is all that you saw, you'd be missing the greater picture. We are in this series right now because we want to see in detail, but we want to look up and get the greater picture of what the Bible says on the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit as to the teaching, the doctrine. By the way, doctrine is just the word in the Bible for teachings. Be afraid of that word. It just means teachings. What are the teachings on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see that doctrine is beautiful. Another way to say it is this way, all right? The view from the 15th floor is very different from the view from the first floor. If you check into a hotel and you're excited to be there, and there's some great kind of views around, and you get signed in, and you find out you're on the first or second floor, you're like, oh, right? Ah, bummer, right? But then you get to the 10th or the 15th or the 20th floor, and you get up there, and the views are night and day. 
That's what we're seeking to do through this series right now. This is what doctrine does, loved ones. Do not avoid the power, the beauty of doctrine. Second reason we do this series here, because doctrine is just that. It is powerful. Do you know the Holy Spirit shows up in the second verse of the Bible? The second verse in Genesis 1 verse 2, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters and the teaching of God's Spirit carries all the way through to the book of Revelation, of course. So what this series does, it shows us the supernatural unity found in the Bible. When you study doctrine in this way, it's remarkable. It is truly incredible to see how this book, written over 1,500 years through dozens of authors in three different languages. I mean, just think about that. And then you read it, and you see the unity from start to finish on the teachings represented in something like the Holy Spirit. If you sit back far enough and you say, wow, that's incredible. No human could have ever come up with this. This is a book truly written by God with such varied teachings, always agreeing with one another, complementing each other, and I pray, we pray, this series would fuel our faith in the Word, in the Lord, and ultimately in the person of the Holy Spirit as well. This is the power of doctrinal studies and series. We need to appreciate it. We need to grow to love it and be changed by it. Here's another reason we're doing this series. It's because the Holy Spirit is often either neglected or misapplied. The Holy Spirit in many evangelical circles of Christendom is either neglected or on the other side, it can be totally misapplied. You could even say at times, abused. A series on the Holy Spirit is so needed because in many evangelical circles right now, because of fear, see, because the Holy Spirit has been misapplied in certain circles, many churches, many denominations, many leaders, they're afraid of the extremes And so whether intentionally or subtly what has happened over time is they actually become a church, listen, that can be described as Father, Son, Holy Bible. Think about that. Father, Son, Holy Bible. And that becomes a very serious problem because what ends up happening is out of fear of the misapplication of Holy Spirit, They actually begin to neglect the Holy Spirit. Now, let's understand why that's such a problem, right? For the same circles, to neglect the Father would be seen as irreverent and extremely sinful. For the same circles, to neglect the Son of God would be seen as seriously sinful and problematic. Tremendously sinful. But here's what you've got to understand. You can't neglect the Holy Spirit either. Because it's one God and three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to neglect the Holy Spirit and to be fearful of what He might do is to neglect God Himself. Because again, you can't take the two you like and the one that you're most uncomfortable with you push to the side. You can't do that. Not being truly biblical with understanding what God has taught and said within His Word. To neglect the Holy Spirit is to neglect God Himself. But the other side of the spectrum is this. The other side of the spectrum is that there's the tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit, but then there's the abuse or the misapplication of certain circles of the Holy Spirit present in our day and over time as well. And in these circles of Christendom, what you often have is a kind of spiritual chaos or spiritual confusion And there might be such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit or specific aspects of His gifts 
that what ends up happening is that in the pursuit of the Holy Spirit and his gifts, you actually cease to become governed or guided by the word of God. And what they fail to realize sometimes is the moment you cease to become governed or guided by the word of God, listen, listen, you cease to become governed or guided by the Holy Spirit himself. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is always in tune with God's word. The Holy Spirit's never beyond God's word. The Holy Spirit's never contradicting God's word. The Holy Spirit and the word of God always are like a team, in tandem, together. The Holy Spirit uses God's word. And God's word is illumined by us by the Holy Spirit. So ironically, amazingly, Circles of Christianity that take the Holy Spirit and go beyond the Word of God, what they have done in the pursuit of the Holy Spirit, they have actually left the Holy Spirit behind because they are no longer under the guidance and the governance of the Word of God Himself, which the Holy Spirit would never do Himself. So you Father, Son, Holy Bible, you have people that are in kind of a place of spiritual chaos and confusion. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I love about our church. You have many people um, in this place right now, in this church, that have come from the background of uh, Father, Son, Holy Bible, in one way or another. And you would know that, and there would be a real interest to say, what does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit? But also in this room right now, you have people coming from backgrounds that have been kind of where the Holy Spirit maybe has been unbiblically portrayed or applied. So here's our opportunity. I genuinely love this as pastor of this church. We're here together. We're reading the word together. We're seeking the Lord together. And we're pursuing the Holy Spirit together. That is such a privilege and such a blessing. What I love about our church too, because of so many different backgrounds and so many different nations and so many different languages and, and again, so many different kind of upbringing some ways in the faith, but we're here together. When people walk into our church, so often our church messes them up in this way. They come in, they can't figure us out. They come in here, you're like, for the truth, you're, you're, you're preaching expository sermons, you're in the word, your, your theology is conservative and relative terms, and you're there, and you must be kind of the church is really serious on the word. Other people come in, there's a, there's a passionate expression for the Lord, there's a desire for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, and there's even almost, some people come in and say, you guys are charismatic church, and so you have the kind of the fundamentalist side on the, on the one, and then you have the kind of the charismatic side, and we're in the middle, they come in there, we can't figure it out. I love that, man, I hope it never never changes, you know? We mess with their minds, praise the Lord. Do we have it figured out? Not at all. We don't have it figured out at all, but we're trying to be a, a church of truth, amen? A church of the Holy Spirit, amen, right? And the fullness of both, just like Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the truth of God's word, that's our desire. So I pray we continue to mess with people's minds as long as we're here, right? That's a good sign, I believe, that we are in the will of God because it should be the pursuit of both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all rooted in the truth of God's Word. And that's part of our mission now again in this series. I'm excited about that. I pray you are as well. Huge opportunity coming together, loving each other in this pursuit. Truly Spirit-led. Here's the last reason I want you to see that we're in this series is because this, this is very important. Because neglect or abuse of the Holy Spirit will always equal an immature, weak, low spiritual life. Because think about it. If you neglect the Holy Spirit, you're neglecting God. If you're neglecting God, how can you possibly be fully in His will? 
How can you possibly be growing into maturity in Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit is everything for that in our lives? On the other side, if you're abusing the Holy Spirit, misapplying His teachings, well then, of course, you're grieving the Spirit of God. And to grieve the Spirit of God means that you are forfeiting certain aspects of blessing and growth and likeness to Jesus Christ and His power in our lives. So this is why we do a series on the Holy Spirit because the reality is, and this is, this is just true, so many Christians are floundering and really living defeated lives, it seems. One of the things I want you to consider right now as we enter into this series, and in this room right now, so many are so weak, so many are so weary, so many in some ways are wasting away. What sincerity does right now, and I understand God's will includes difficulty, it promises suffering, it includes trial, I get that, but there's a whole segment of our lives living in Jesus Christ that the reason we're so powerless and so discouraged and so weak and feeling so wasted is because we have failed to acknowledge, to worship, to invite and to beg for the true presence of the Holy Spirit of God to work in and through our lives. The reality is there's many of us living this life in Christ and we're trying to do it on our strength. Loved ones, one of the bottom lines of this whole message, this whole series is so simple as this. It's impossible to do the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. He is everything. And we're gonna learn that this series. He's the one who changes your life for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to the praise and honor of the Father as well. The Holy Spirit is the one who does this. And I'm praying we will look at our lives with sincerity and say, yeah, here's what I know, just, this, just many of us, when's the last time we've ever really thought about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives? Prayed to Him, longed for Him, and looked to Him. I pray that all changes, and that all changes now. So, Think about how important the role of prayer becomes right now. I'm going to pray for what we're about to do over the next several weeks. Hey, loved ones, please pray with me. Please. Men, women, children, please don't let pastor be up here by himself praying. If we all pray, just even now, longing that God would work, longing for his spirit to move, because when he does, everything changes. Longing for you and your, your home and your children and your marriage and your friends and your workplace and your neighbors and your church family and your group and whatever it might be, just longing for the Spirit of God to move in this land and to save the lost and all of that's accomplished by Him. I'm going to pray. Please don't let me pray alone. Agree with me. Pray as I pray and let's expect God to do great things. Okay, let me, let us do that right now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, oh Lord, strengthen us for your service, we pray. Oh God, I pray. Spirit of God, we worship you. We need you. And I do pray so much, Lord, at this time and through this series, you will be sending a wave of such blessing, Lord, igniting hearts through faith that the, the wind of God's power and favor would 
blow through this place, Lord, and be igniting hearts and bringing people from death to life, O oh Lord, that you will be causing minds to, to be open and eyes to see, O oh Lord, that you will be uh, saving marriages, Lord, and saving children from death, O oh Lord, that you will be allowing, O oh Lord, Jesus Christ and by your Holy Spirit so many awesome things to take place even now. God, would you do that? Would you do that? I pray there's unity now given by the Holy Spirit of God, fellowship in the Spirit. I pray there's agreement. I pray there's an expectation. I pray there's power. God, would you, would you do this? We, we need you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Please, oh Lord, may this be such an unusually uh, distinct and powerful time, such a life-changing time. God, anything but apathy, anything but routine, anything but going through the motions. I, I pray, I pray, I pray. I beg with you, together we do. We seek you, oh Lord. Have your way in us. Use this time, Lord, to change us, to change thousands around us, that you get glory. May this series on the Holy Spirit truly be that, led by, empowered by, filled by, and giving glory to Jesus Christ. Lead us, lead us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree, please say amen. 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 I always believe in that. Amen. So, where do we go right now? How do you start a series on the Holy Spirit officially? You do this. You have to answer, ask and answer the question now, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? What does the Bible teach us about him? We're going to answer that in very specific ways. Here's the first answer to this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Answer number one is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to John 14 right now. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 14. Again, this message is atypical. It's not our normal one passage message. We're going to be a lot of verses on the screen, but I do want us to look at some verses in the Gospel of John, some key verses. So I want to start off with John chapter 14, and as you're turning there, I want us to think about this. I want us to think about Star Wars. Yeah, that got your attention. It always does, huh? That's our world, isn't it? Isn't it? Now, Star Wars was super big in, um, when I was a kid. Super big. My personal favorite movie is Return of the Jedi. I was like 10 when it came out. It was amazing. And, um, of course, Star Wars is so big in our day-to-day. It's, you know, that new movie that was just released and stuff and all that. I had some family. They went to see it without me. And uh, I'm still really bitter at them for doing that. So... But we'll get over that eventually, all right? So I haven't seen that new movie yet. But one of the most famous phrases in Star Wars is, um, may the force be with you. Right? Probably one of the most famous phrases. You come up with your own phrases, whatever. I am your father. That's a good one too, right? Yeah, that's a good one. But may the force be with you. But I also love the one. I think it's Obi-Wan who said to Luke way back in the early movies, Luke, use the force. <laughs> love that. Use the force, Luke. Right? So it's so interesting. You talk about the force and the force. May the force be with you. And the, when we're kind of going through Star Wars, we'll be soon figure out the, the force is a thing. The force is an it. You're, you're, you're looking for it. You hope that thing shows up to help you beat the bad guys, right? Star Wars is talking about a force that is a thing or it. Let's be crystal, crystal clear, all right? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is and he. And so we have to refer to him as he is. He is a person. It's amazing how many Christians, though, either don't think of him much at all, or when they do, they treat him as an it. 
The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is a distinct personal being. We must train ourselves in how we speak because what happens is if we're speaking improper theology, our language will turn into what we believe. If you, here's why this is important. If you refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, over time you will treat him as an it. If you treat him as an it, you are ceasing to treat him as God. Because God is not an it. God is one God in three persons. So this is important. You don't refer to the Holy Spirit as a force or as an an impersonal being or as an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a he. Now, consider how the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a person. This is where we're in John 14. Look at John 14 verse 16 now. Verse 16. Look for the personal pronouns in the verses we're about to go through, okay? John 14, 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice capital H, helper, paraclete, comforter. We're going to come to this in weeks to come. We're going to spend a whole sermon um, on these verses here. Excited for that. He says, to be with you forever. Now look at verse 17. Um, Even the spirit of truth, whom, okay, right there, he's a person, whom the world cannot receive because another sees him nor knows him. But notice this, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's, there's no question Jesus undeniably, irrefutably referring and addressing the Holy Spirit as the third person uh, in the Trinity. Here's another verse, Acts 13 uh, verse 2. Look at this one. This is a, an, another way to look at this. I love this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, okay, um, forces don't talk. Uh, it's can't speak, okay? The Holy Spirit said, now the Holy Spirit's talking, set apart for me. Now he's referring to himself. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So this one verse is presenting the Holy Spirit as a person in some beautifully magnificent ways. He's speaking. He's referring to himself in the first person. Again, the personal pronouns being represented here. Undeniably, the Holy Spirit is not a force. Uh, He is a he. You think about the Great Commission itself. And there's other passages that we could look at in John 15 and John 16, which say the same thing. Jesus referring directly to the Holy Spirit as a person and using the personal pronouns he and him. But think about the Great Commission. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus says, I'm commanding them, baptizing them in the name. Now notice, that's singular. You can look that up now or later. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name. Now, why is the singular name so key? Because right in that moment, what Jesus is doing in the Great Commission itself, he is placing Father, Son, Holy Spirit on the identical equality and plane of both deity, being God, and personhood as well. Baptizing them in the singular name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit fully equal as God and as in their personhood. Wayne Grudem takes this and points out, he says this. Imagine if this helps us to understand how significant that phrase is. Grudem says, imagine if Jesus says in the name of Father, Son, and Archangel Michael. We'd be like, whoa, Michael got a promotion, man. 
He was really up there now because he's the same level as God. That contrast helps us to see just how much the Bible is stressing that the Holy Spirit is a person. One more example I want you to see here. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 30 on the screen for you. Notice it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? Why is that key? You can't grieve an it. A force doesn't have feelings, but you can grieve a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He lives in those who are regenerated, who are saved in Jesus Christ. And we can grieve Him because He is a person. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. Answer number two. Who is the Holy Spirit? Massive. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Again, we're careful how we speak of Him because if we call Him an it, we are ceasing to call Him God. So we call him who he is, a person who is God. Now, how do we know the Holy Spirit is God? Well, the word tells us so in many different places. Here's the chart on the screen for you. I want you to see, okay, this is outlining the names and the titles of the Holy Spirit, which can only be held by someone who is God. By the way, this message has high content. There's a lot of information here. I exhort you. I encourage you. If it's a little much in this moment right now, here's what I suggest to you. Um, don't watch one TV show this week, just one. Don't watch one TV show and double back on this message. Double back on your notes, double back online. Uh, we're going to put all the slides up online for you as well. Is that good, Al? We're going to do that. Amen. Okay, awesome. Okay, we're going to do that this week. And so you can look at these things and study them. I was so blessed. I, I, I've taught this many times before. I was so blessed again in my worship to understand the power of doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is eternal. In Hebrews 9 verse 14, it says, the eternal Spirit. So He has existed always. He was not created. Only God has eternally existed. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent psalm 139 david says where shall i go from your spirit where shall i flee from his presence if i go to heaven you are there if i go down to sheol you are also there the spirit of god is everywhere only god is omnipresent the holy spirit is omniscient he is omniscient first corinthians 2 says paul says listen carefully for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. When you open up your Bible in the morning, why is it good to pray, Holy Spirit of God, teach me, because there's nothing the Holy Spirit does not know. The Holy Spirit can search the mind of God himself, and therefore he becomes our most important instructor in this life called the Christian life. He is omniscient. There is nothing he does not know. He is all-knowing. He is also omnipotent. Only God is all-powerful. In Luke chapter 1, referring to the incarnation, Gabriel says to Mary, and the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will come upon you. You shall conceive and bear a son. And then Gabriel says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. What Gabriel did, he equates God and the omnipotence in that moment with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit must be God. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit, of course, is just that. He's holy. In Romans 1, verse 4, 
It says, according to the spirit of holiness. And that context is raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Awesome. The Holy Spirit was the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and it calls him the spirit of holiness. Love when this just in, the Holy Spirit is God. We need him. He is awesome. He is everything. You can also, another way in, in Scripture to prove that he is God, in John chapter 3, referring to being born again, Jesus Christ says this, he says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Hear what he's saying there. Jesus says, if you are truly to be saved, you must be born again by the Spirit of God. You cannot enter into God's kingdom apart from the Holy Spirit. That's important for some of us to hear right now. You are here right now and you think you save yourself by something you do or something you've done. Incorrect. Big X. It's impossible to be truly saved apart from the Holy Spirit of God and the life of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates, who causes us to become new and be made new creations. The Holy Spirit is God. Last example on this, Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. God used their example to teach a powerful lesson in the early church. They sold their property for so much, they lied about how much they got from it, they kept back some of the proceeds for themselves. God used this as a tremendously serious example in the early church. Listen to what Peter says. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart, notice, to lie to the Holy So this phrase is very important, okay? To lie to the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out the Holy Spirit's God in this. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Okay, so remember that phrase, lie to the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the next verse. Peter says this, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Okay, here's the important part. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Ready? You have not lied to man, but to God. So what he's doing right there, he's equating God in verse 4 with the Holy Spirit in verse 3. There is no doubt, completely obvious, Peter is equating the Holy Spirit as to God, God being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And answer number three to who the Holy Spirit is, this is a great spot for an amen, the Holy Spirit is awesome. <laughs> Come on. The Lord's listening, man. He's watching everything. We, I know you love him. I know you love him. But I'll give you one more try, right? One more try. The Holy Spirit is a person. Imagine if I preached like the way you just said amen. Can you imagine, eh? Can you imagine? You would, like, you, would, like, you would beat me up and stuff, all right? All right? Thanks for letting me tease you a little bit. Love you. Love you so much. The Holy Spirit is awesome. Yeah. yeah, there we go. You are awesome, Holy Spirit. You know, it was interesting. I was introduced to someone this week, and the person introduced me to this person, and they said, she's awesome. And I had this outline in my mind, and I was like, I know what you're saying. This person, I'm sure she's lovely, and she's you know, just wonderful spirit about her, and she's very friendly and kind, stuff like that. But I was thinking, like, well, there's, like, there's human being awesome. And then there's like, Holy Spirit, awesome. You know what I'm saying? And like, are we awesome as human beings? I'm just like, mm, well, sinful. We're not, I'm not very awesome. I'll tell you that much, man. I see what's inside here and I'm like, ah, ha, ha. my heart scares me, man. Wow. All right. So there's like human being awesome, which really isn't awesome at all. No offense, everyone. All right. 
But then there's the Holy Spirit awesome. He really is awesome. There's an infinite difference between the two. And so we see the Holy Spirit and we understand who he is, his person, his presence, and his power. Loved ones, look right here. Look right here. Ready? In your light, don't ever, ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's awesome. Think about his role in everything we know scripturally. Think about the role of God's Spirit in the creation of the world. The role of God's Spirit in the incarnation. The role of God's Spirit in raising Jesus from the dead. The role of God's Spirit in our regeneration. The role of God's Spirit in the inspiration and illumination of the Word of God. The role of God's Spirit in our very sanctification and becoming more like Jesus Christ. Uh, This just did. The Holy Spirit is needed. He is awesome. He is everything. We don't stand a chance apart from Him. And not only, again, upon those realities in Scripture, consider Jesus. Look at this theology on the screen for you here. This is the Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus. Consider this. This is just biblical fact. The Holy Spirit brings about the incarnation of Jesus, brings him to this world, conception through the Holy Spirit in the womb. He anoints Jesus for public ministry. The Holy Spirit leads and empowers Jesus for his earthly life. The Holy Spirit raises Jesus from the dead, and even in the atonement, the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're all working together. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says, Jesus offered himself through his blood through the eternal spirit, that verse we heard already. The Holy Spirit, instrumental in the atonement itself for our salvation, our redemption. Now, now just think about this. Sometimes when we look at Jesus, we're like, well, he was God. He was God. Fully God and fully man, okay? So sometimes we emphasize his divinity so much, we fail to understand and appreciate his humanity. He was fully both. Jesus, in his humanity, fully depended upon the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. It's all proof right here. One theologian says it this way, the closest companion of Jesus Christ was the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I thought it was Peter. No. I thought it was John. No. The single closest companion in the life of ministry of Jesus Christ himself was the Holy Spirit. Hey, here's a question for you. Who's your closest companion? Some of you would say, my wife. Wrong answer, man. No offense to your wife, okay? Wrong answer. Who's your closest companion? My best friend, man. BFF. BFF, man. No, no, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Who's your closest companion, man? No, I, my neighbor, we're getting really tight, man. It's an amazing relationship. I'm like, I'm dating this person now. We're like, woo, it's amazing. No, no, wrong answer. That is not your closest. If you're, if you're genuinely saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, here's where theology must lead to transformation. For you and me, our closest companion. I just love this thought. Lord, help us to understand this even now. Spirit of God, would you teach us even now the impact of these statements that you, Holy Spirit, individually for us, you are truly our best friend, our closest companion. You are the one who lives in us, okay? Your BFF can't live in you, but the Holy Spirit does. He lives in you to change you, to see you grow more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that was the case for Jesus, that has to be the case for us as well. How would your thoughts change, loved ones? How would your, even like the way you pray change? 
How would your expectation change just on that truth alone on a day-to-day basis? Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Again, again, think of what the Holy Spirit has done for us as believers. He's regenerated us. He makes us a new creation. He gives us spiritual wisdom and understanding. He convicts us of sin. He illumines the truth of God's word to us. He's the one who brings assurance of our salvation. The Holy Spirit empowers us for godly living. He comforts us. He teaches us. And he's the one who seals our redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit. He does everything. He is everything. Imagine if we've neglected him. We're dead. One author says the Holy Spirit is the catalyst for all true, genuine spiritual transformation. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? Now, have you ever considered this question? Why is the Holy Spirit called the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Father is holy. We know that. The Bible refers to Him as holy. The Son is holy. We know that. The Bible tells us the Son is holy. But they don't have the title of Holy Father, Holy Son in the same way as the Holy Spirit. So why not just Spirit of God? Why distinctly Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Here's the most fundamental reason why the Holy Spirit is called Holy Spirit. Because His greatest job, His greatest desire is to make us more holy. Think about it. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, look at it this way. The Holy Spirit comes and makes us new, causes us to be born again. He regenerates us. We're a new creation. The Holy Spirit then at that point, uh, we become alive in Him because of Him, and He starts to saturate us with a, with a spiritual supernatural leaven. There's a Holy Spirit leaven that begins to go through our souls. And we are redeemed, we are saved. But then the process of sanctification begins and the Holy Spirit begins to flow in our lives and starts to root out the cancer within us of sin and evil. The Holy Spirit, like pure, beautiful leaven, works through every part of our spiritual souls and begins to make us look more and more like Jesus Christ. This is his role in our lives. He fills us. He regenerates us. He consumes us. He sanctifies us. He makes us more holy. This is what he does. This is why we need him so. This is why we cannot neglect him. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, we heard this verse earlier in the the service, but check it out from this standpoint now. We all, all believers, with unveiled face, we can see now the realities of Jesus Christ by faith, beholding the glory of the Lord. You say, "How how do I become more like Jesus? Behold his glory. Worship, adoration, love him. That's why it's the first and greatest commandment. I behold the glory of Jesus Christ, then I'm transformed into his image, as the the text says right here. And it's a process, one degree of glory to another. Now notice this. For this, what? Beholding the glory transformed, one degree of glory. For this comes from the Lord. Now we would often say, of the Lord Jesus. But what does the text say? The text says this comes from the Lord, he's called Lord, who is the Spirit. So the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives 
is to cause us to behold the glory of Jesus Christ, that we might be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And this comes from Him, from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person. He is God. He is awesome. Amen. Nice, nice, nice. Love you, love you, love you. And... And this then, in our introductory message, fourthly, lastly, briefly, but very importantly, the Holy Spirit, He is this, He is someone who glorifies Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit deeply desires to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John 16 for a second, just turn one page over maybe where you are. John 16 verse 14. Jesus is speaking directly of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 14, and he says this, He, there you go again, the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me, John 16, 14, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is awesome. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you considered the explicit role of God's Spirit in honoring Jesus Christ. Look at this theological chart, okay? Again, again, and if you, if, by the way, if you were to take this message and you could articulate it on your own, if you could understand this message, sadly, I believe you would, you would be further ahead than 90% of Christians in this nation and possibly pastors too. Why? It's not taught, loved ones. This stuff isn't taught. If you take this seriously, if you put down the remote for one hour this week and be a student of the Lord because you love him, not so you get a big Bible head, but because you love him, you, you can use this the rest of your life for as long as you live. You can use this as a blessing of understanding God's word and teaching others that God may get glory through your life. I encourage you, do it. Do it. Don't be lazy. Bible tells us we have to work hard at seeking to understand things sometimes. It's not supposed to be easy, but it's supposed to be amazing and awesome. Okay, notice this. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. Think about it. The Spirit of God illuminates the Bible. But what's the message of the Bible? Ultimately, the message of the Bible is the person of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible to shine light on Jesus Christ. The Spirit empowers gospel preaching for the proclamation of Christ, right? The whole point of the gospel is life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God blesses the preaching of Jesus Christ. He's, he's behind shining light on Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings regeneration. What's regeneration? New life in Christ, Jesus. The whole point of regeneration by the Spirit of God is to live for Jesus. Takes us to our last part. The Spirit sanctifies us, makes us more like Christ, and the believer transforms us into the image of Christ. So his, his whole, think of the massive implications of all this biblical truth. The role of the Holy Spirit ultimately is seeking to point towards the person and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he loves it. He loves it. Sam Storms put it this way. The Holy Spirit is a Christological floodlight. Some of you are like, what would you just say? The Holy Spirit is a Christological floodlight. He, think of a floodlight um, at night and it lights up a house, beautiful, or lights up a tree in the yard, a floodlight, or lights up whatever. It lights something up, you can see it in its beauty. The Holy Spirit does that for Jesus Christ. 
the Holy Spirit being a Christological floodlight shines. He's never like, hey, look at me. Hey, I want some attention. He's so happy to say, look at Jesus. I'm shining the light on Jesus Christ. I want him to get glory. He's so good with that. He's God, but he's so good with the role of honoring and longing to see our lives give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to glorify Jesus. So think about it. That's, what, that's why he works in us. That's why he fills us. You know, it's interesting. Some of us are like, well, Holy Spirit, I want you to strengthen me. Why? Well, because I, I want to get more stuff. I don't think he's going to be rushing to fill you in a new way, right? Holy Spirit, I want you to strengthen me because I want to pursue ministry, but really what it's about is your own glory. I don't think he's going to be really rushing to fill you there either. But when you say in all sincerity, Holy Spirit, I want your strength, that my life might be used in the purposes and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, I expect you can encounter his filling in your life imminently. I started with a quote. I'm going to end with a quote. Here's a quote by Eric Thonis. He says this. This is, this is beautiful. Humans become what they adore. What do you adore? Whatever you adore, adore you will become. I read that in the Psalms, even this morning. I think Psalm 135. It says, those who love idols, those who make them, who worship them, they become like them. And so do all those who trust in them. Humans become what they adore. What are you adoring? The Spirit works to foster adoration of Christ so that people will become like Him. See, notice here, therefore, thus, sanctification, becoming more like Christ, flows from adoration. Loved ones, this is why what we do now is so important. This is why your worship of Jesus Christ is so important. That's where the greatest transformation takes place. True worship of Him singing, praying, adoring, loving, submitting, surrendering in God's word, fellowship with God's people, seeking to be used. If you forfeit a genuine sense of adoration, you're forfeiting being changed in the image of Jesus Christ and you're forfeiting the strength of God in your life because the spirit of God fills us, empowers us to see this because that happens to lead to that. See, he says, and both are accomplished by the Spirit. This is what the Spirit's excited about. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to fill our lives with adoration because in our adoration of Jesus Christ, we are then conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. And we are fully dependent on the Holy Spirit to do so. So think about it as we start this series now, this introduction today. I mean, do you, do you think the Holy Spirit wants to do something new in you? Do, do you believe the Holy Spirit wants to do a fresh work in you? I mean, yeah, he does, man. Like, do you want it? Or are you like, mm, eh, whatever. Well, he'll pass by, and he'll find the person who does. Do you think the Holy Spirit is done changing you into the image of Jesus Christ? Do you think he's kind of like, yeah, five out of ten, we're good. See you in a couple of decades. No. He is so longing to fill, to take every room in your house and to transform you and I into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think in this series that maybe he'll lead you to a time of repentance of the neglect of the Holy Spirit? That we might be renewed and filled and experience a new love and joy and peace and adoration of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is 100% God's will for your life and mine. 
That's what the Holy Spirit desires to do. So what do we do? Where do we start? Well, here's what Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus says this. If you then who are evil, sinful, if you know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you? Listen, and he says here, to those who ask him. That's not talking about conversion, Holy Spirit. That's talking ongoing life every day, the desire for the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. We're excited. And I pray that you are too.